Thank you once again. I think I would have come here just to be in the worship. Eh? <laughs> wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. I'm going to just read a couple of passages from Romans at the beginning and the end of Romans. Just a few verses. Romans 1. Paul, a bondservant of Christ Jesus, called as an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures concerning his son, who was born of a descendant of David according to the flesh, who was declared son of God with power by the resurrection from the dead according to the spirit of holiness, Jesus Christ our Lord, through whom we've received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith among all the Gentiles for his name's sake. And at the end of the book, Romans 15 and verse 18, Paul says this, For I will not presume to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me, resulting in the obedience of the Gentiles by word and deed in the power of signs and wonders, in the power of the Spirit, so that from Jerusalem, round about as far as Illyricum, I have fully preached, or it could be translated, fulfilled the gospel of Christ. Jesus, thank you so much for the privilege of standing in your presence this morning, the wonder of being caught up with you, We thank you, Lord, truly. You've rescued us from the dominion of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of your dear Son. And Father, we ask you right now in Jesus' name for the Holy Spirit to rest powerfully upon us, Lord, impressing us with the truth of your word, inspiring confidence in you. We pray for insight into truth and for truth to penetrate our hearts and minds and for the kingdom of God to advance here this morning by the power of the Holy Spirit. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I was one of those people who longed for revival and read books about revival and met in prayer for revival. I used to uh, uh, travel up sometimes to London uh, to be at half nights of prayer for revival. Uh, read books like uh, In the Day of Thy Power, Arthur Wallace, etc., and uh, just longing for God to come in power. And then the outbreak of the baptism of the Spirit for me meant amazing transformation of experience. I'd been born again from a pagan background into a Baptist church where the truth was wonderfully taught. But whereas I gave myself to God, uh, as far as I knew how, with wholeheartedness, found that I was ever so limited in terms of witnessing. I couldn't seem to witness publicly. I could even lead a Bible study in the church, but outside, opportunities to witness, I just missed again and again. And I remember once my pastor was preaching, are you like Peter before or after Pentecost? And uh, I knew exactly where I was. I was like Peter before, constantly ducking when opportunities came, missing uh, opportunities to witness to Jesus until I became so desperate I thought, I must, I must be set free. And it all came to a head one day for me when I was on the seafront in Brighton, my hometown, and uh, 
I just led a Bible study in the house, in the church, and we had an evening meeting. I had a couple of hours to kill before the evening meeting, and I'm walking along on a Sunday afternoon, huge crowds. There's an upper promenade and a lower promenade, and as I'm drawing near, I can see crowds, just big crowds, and I think, what's all this? And I get nearer, and there's some elderly ladies, and they're singing about Jesus and holding up banners, repent and stuff. And people are throwing cigarette packets and apple cores at them. And it's all pretty horrific. And uh, I'm up there. I think, Lord, this is terrible. Uh, these dear ladies, the frail voices and just mockery. And I thought, God, this is terrible. And I thought God said to me, well, um, in the Bible, I called young men to do that. Uh, uh, what about you? <laughs> no. And... Uh, I, that was that was the end of a line for me. I'd been reading, trying to study, research John Stott, Lloyd Jones, who's right. Uh, that day, that end of all argument, I have got to receive the power of the Spirit. It led to my going to a Pentecost church, having hands laid upon me, and getting filled with the Spirit, which led with, to the opportunity of laying hands a lot of uh, the young people in that Baptist church, and uh, the youth work came alive as guys got filled with the Spirit. And within a few weeks, we were back down on that promenade. And some of the girls used to sing, play guitars. And I stood on a box and preached the gospel uh, in the open air on a Sunday after several Sunday afternoons, preached the gospel. And it was wonderful. I thought, wow, God is coming. We're into the book of Acts. And this, all this longing, we're right, we're in now. And one of those Sunday afternoons, we're preaching and enjoying it. And my friend Keith it's his turn. He's up on the platform, on the box. It's just a box. And he's standing on the box. And he's saying, and today, if you want to know Jesus, he's here. If you want to be healed, come forward now. And I thought, Keith, Keith, <laughs> we, we haven't talked about that. But uh, I mean, God's here. Hey, God's here. And somebody from the top promenade shouts down, if God heals... Get your glasses off. What's wrong with you? And it was like someone took a spear and threw it straight at his heart. He went, oh, um, oh yeah, well. Uh, mm. And um, from then on, I had the frightening experience of being in the passenger seat while Keith took off his glasses and drove through Brighton. <laughs> claiming he was healed. Healing's complicated, isn't it? Healing's difficult. Healing gives us all kinds of difficulties that make us back off. And I guess for us, we, well, we talked about many things, but we kind of backed off about healing because that was a scary experience. And we felt we were flat-footed. What do you do with that answer? And uh, I certainly don't come to this subject as one who feels he has authority in terms of loads of experience, but I'm on a journey which I've found growingly exciting, especially in recent times, especially, to be honest, when thinking about some of the things we were talking about last night come home to me more and more, that Jesus said, I'm, I'm with you. You're not orphans. I'm here. We're not a people with a fading memory of what it used to be like when God was here. God is here, and all things are possible. His presence is with us. So I want to just bring to you things that we know from the Scriptures. We believe that God wants churches that are truly biblically based, but also full of power. And we sometimes see in some churches that are accurate and correct, 
but it's a kind of coldness about it. We've seen other places sometimes where it's exciting and uh, all sorts of maybe extreme things, and we think, oh, God, if only we could see a church that somehow combines a, a real deliberate commitment to truth, but where your power is released. And although that seems almost un, you know, something hard to see today, I mean, that's exactly what the Bible is. That's the norm. The Apostle Paul wrote the book of Romans and raised the dead. You know, he was happy in both worlds. And God wants us to be happy in both worlds. He wants us to experience truth, love truth, submit to truth, honor truth, and also seek power poured out amongst us. So we get words like this in 1 Corinthians where Paul says, My message and my preaching were not in persuasive words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and power, so that your faith should not rest in the wisdom of men, but on the power of God. I would expect Paul to say, your faith wouldn't rest in the wisdom of men, but in the Word of God. He doesn't say that. Your faith doesn't rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power, in the power of God, that you're experiencing the power of God. And so his preaching, yes, is full of doctrine, full of truth, but also there's a manifestation of power. Hebrews 2 says this, the gospel was first spoken by the Lord. It was confirmed to us by those who heard it, God also bearing witness with them by signs and wonders and various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit. So Paul's claim, as we read a moment ago in Romans 15, was that in a whole region in the uh, western end of the Mediterranean, he had fully preached. The word it means fulfilled. I have fulfilled the gospel and he says in the power of signs and wonders, to me it's, where it's kind of suggesting the gospel brings with it demonstrations of power. This is not an optional extra. It is the gospel being fulfilled. It's the outworking of the good news of God that it includes signs, wonders, miracles, manifestations of God being on the move. And in, throughout Old Testament, whenever God is moving forward, whenever things happen, very often we see whether it's the Exodus, whether it's the breakthrough with Joshua. In fact, whenever the people are walking with God, there are demonstrations of power because that's the kind of God he is. That God is a God of power. He's a God of demonstration. He's a God of action. He's not just a philo- philosophical figure. He's a God who demonstrates incredible signs and wonders. He comes with power. He did it for David. He did it for Joshua. He did it for Gideon. Whenever people are trusting him and he's advancing his rule and government, power is available. And when Paul starts his ministry and the early apostles begin to move out, there is clear demonstration and evidence, God working with them, confirming. God giving evidence that this isn't just a word-only deal. This is a demonstration of the power of God. And Paul says in Galatians and chapter 3, as he's speaking to that church, writing back to them, he says, you understood with faith. He says, the gospel didn't come to you through legalism. It's through hearing with faith that you saw the gospel come. And that really challenges the thought, what did they hear then? Some would argue that you won't find a sermon on healing in the New Testament, there aren't sermons on healing. So you guys talk about healing. But, but, you know, when you think of what Paul says here in Galatians chapter 3, he says, this one thing I want to find from you. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Then he says this, 
So then, he who provides you with the Spirit and works miracles among you, does he do it by works of the law or by hearing with faith? How did these miracles happen? You heard with faith. What did they hear? What was Paul talking about? Simply justification? He's preaching something that when you hear with faith, you get miracles. He's saying something that is inspiring faith for miracles. It says at one point, Paul was preaching and perceiving that the man had faith to be healed, said, get up. So what was he preaching? If this guy's crippled and he's speaking, what's he speaking about? Sanctification, justification, the guy's got faith to be healed. Paul must have been saying things that inspired faith inspired confidence and in fact we know we know what peter said in acts 10 talking about jesus paul says we preach christ and sometimes that is said again in kind of opposition to a preaching of a gospel of signs and wonders no we preach christ well what kind of christ and simon peter said you know about jesus how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, how he went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed of the devil. God was with him. That's the kind of Jesus that Peter preached. He preached this dynamic Christ, a Christ who went about doing good and healing all who were sick. He manifested the presence and the power of God. So, yeah, we want to see churches that are word and spirit that are truth and manifestation of power. And that's there quite clearly in the Scriptures. Again, we tend to take what is the gospel. And it's interesting to notice how quickly when we go from Romans chapter 1, here Paul says the gospel concerns his son who is demonstrated to have power, the Son of God with power through the resurrection of the dead. The gospel is concerning his Son. We tend as evangelicals to jump down from Romans 1, verse 1, the gospel, down to verse 16. You know the gospel, and he says in verse 16, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God for salvation, everyone who believes. And we start talking about justification by faith. We jump from 1 to 16. But Paul talks about the gospel concerning his Son who's now reigning in power, who's introducing a kingdom, who's coming with a kingdom, a kingdom which includes power. Tom Wright wrote a fascinating book. He's written several, and it's called When God Became King. I recommend you read it, When God Became King. And he says this, he said, in the creeds, and he's really, I guess he's speaking as an Anglican where creeds get stated. Of course, historically, creeds were important and they were, they were developed when things like the deity of Christ were being challenged and creeds were written establishing the true person of Christ. And so in the creed, you get things like this. He was born of the Virgin Mary, crucified under Pontius Pilate, etc. And he says, this is the statement. He was born of the Virgin Mary, Suffered under Pontius Pilate. He says, did nothing happen in between? <laughs> and that's the whole thesis of his book, that the, the, the Christian who loves the gospel, who loves justification by faith even, who loves the person of Christ, can say, yeah, he was born of the Virgin Mary, supernatural birth, crucified. He said, Jesus came and said, more than anything else, the kingdom of God is among you. And he said he came to establish a rule and a government of Christ. The gospel is concerning his son. And he said, our creeds jump from the birth to the cross. 
And even in the Reformation, following those creeds, there comes this big emphasis on justification by faith, which we treasure and love. We thank God for Luther and Calvin and these great reformers who restored to us the evangelical doctrine of justification by faith. Thank you, Jesus. But this kind of jump, we just jump to justification. And we don't look at, hey, he came to establish a government, a kingdom, a completely different kingdom. Jesus said, if I, by the finger of God, cast out demons, you know the kingdom of God is among you. He said to his apostles, go, heal the sick, cleanse the leper. Just go and say, the kingdom of God is at hand. You can touch it. It's here. The rule of God is breaking out. The long-promised rule of God, which was spoken of back in the Old Testament, in places like Isaiah 35, when he comes... The lame will leap. The blind will see. There's going to come a breakout of the mercy of God in huge demonstration, which is more than simply justification by faith, though we treasure that. It's a breakout of God. It's a breakout of God's presence. It's a manifestation. He's amongst us. That's what Jesus taught. He came presenting a government, a rule, a breakout of the presence of God. So the coming of the kingdom was inauguration of an outbreak of God's ultimate plan and purpose. Just to back up a bit, God had already revealed his character as regards healing in the Old Testament. When classic verses like this, I am the Lord who heals you. Exodus 15, it's like that's a revelation of who I am. And in the Old Testament, there are a number of I am This, I am this, I am the Lord who does this, I am the Lord your banner, I am the Lord your provider, I am the Lord who heals you. That's who I am. That's that's my that's a revelation of God. It's not some strange thing or healing, I never thought of no, that's who I am. Again, Psalm 103 Forgot forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases. It's the character of God. It's God revealed in the Bible. That's what he does. That's who he is. We see it illustrated with, for instance, Elijah, Elisha. We see them praying, healing coming. Manifestations of power and healing through prayer. We see sickness being dealt with, sometimes one-to-one, like uh, Elijah, Elisha, Abraham, praying for sick people, they're healed. But then also, we see with the raising up of the a brazen serpent, the brass serpent is raised up and many are healed. Many look, and as many as looked to that serpent were healed. Healing came to a crowd. You might call it a mass healing. Some is one-to-one, here a breakout of healing. So in the Old Testament, God had already demonstrated his character as a healing God, his ability to heal in situations. When Jesus came on the scene, God came to be king. God's coming to the planet. There's a breakout of this revelation of who he is. And Jesus, in his kind of inaugural speech in Luke 4, stands up and and it says he opened the scripture in Isaiah and he, he read the passage, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me to bring deliverance to the captives, the opening of eyes to the blind, etc. I've come to do this. I've come to bring the kingdom. And we find when you read the Gospels, Jesus is constantly healing the sick. He's either healing somebody 
or he's just going to heal somebody, or he's just coming back from healing somebody. The Gospels are just full of it. I mean, you only have to read it. It just comes to you. He's constantly doing this kind of thing. And it says he turned no one away. When someone came for him, he didn't ever turn people away. And this phrase occurs a few times. He healed them all. He healed them all. A phenomenal manifestation of God's kindness and mercy. He even uh, initiated. He didn't just heal those who came to him. He went to people. He initiated healing. He, he, he came to uh, the widow of Nain, this, this poor woman's in a situation. Her son's died. He initiated it. It's not pleased. No, no, he's going to do it. And when someone says, well, <laughs> help my unbelief. He doesn't say, oh, you're disqualified. He heals. It's not like he's a hard, harsh person. He's coming, even when someone says, well, I believe, but help my unbelief. Yeah, sure. He's, he's, he's leaning forward. He's the initiator. He's willing. He's active. He's involved. We saw last night, with those 20,000 went up that mountain to be around him, listen to him, and so on. For three days, at the end of it, he healed them all. 20,000 people. Not a sick person left. It's like heaven came down on the top of that mountain and everyone that was there was healed. It wasn't heaven that came down, it was Jesus. And the presence of Jesus brought healing to everybody, every sick person. That's what the Bible plainly says. So that's what happens when Jesus comes. Sometimes we see him, if you like, demonstrating a confrontational attitude. What do I mean? Well, in Luke thirteen fourteen, Jesus, seeing a woman crippled, and the Pharisees getting all uptight about what does he do on the Sabbath, and he bursts through it all and says, Should not this woman, this daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has kept bound for 18 long years... Be set free on this Sabbath day from what bound her. This is a kind of militancy. You can always feel the heart of Jesus. This should not be so. Satan's done this. I've come to undo it. And so there's a kind of a warrior spirit. There's a battling heart. He's coming to fight. He's this great warrior. He's fighting against sickness. He's fighting against ignorance. And sickness is one of the enemies he's taking on. It's not just ignorance. It's not just legalism. He's fighting sickness. Should not this woman be bound, be freed, who's been bound? So Jesus brings a note of militancy. He also demonstrates huge compassion. So this, this shouldn't be here. And so it says in Matthew fourteen fourteen, seeing the crowd, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. He was moved with compassion. There's this in his heart that is stirred by seeing people's need. That motivated him. Again, it says in Mark 1.41, moved with compassion, he touched and healed the leper. Moved with compassion. In fact, the word compassion is only applied to Christ in the New Testament. Even when we know something of the compassion of Christ in our hearts. But it's his, mov- her, his mercy. And sometimes when we're beginning to pray for people, you find something of a stirring that's other than yourself. 
I don't think I'm temperamentally a very compassionate person, but I sometimes find a kind of a stirring, and you feel something in your heart. I remember when I used to uh, work in, in London and uh, in an office there, and uh, one of the guys in the office was terribly ill and was in hospital, and his life was really in a threatened situation. And I, I was not very close to him, but I knew him well, and... Uh, I went to visit him in hospital one day, and and I went to the hospital, asked where he was. They told me which ward he was in. I went to the ward, opened the door, walked in. There was only four people in the wards. It wasn't a large one, and I looked, and I saw all four, and I went back to the people. I said, no, he's not there. He must have told me wrong. They said, he is. He's in that ward. I said, no, I've just been there. He's not there. They said, he is in that ward. And so I went back in again, and I looked. And I thought, oh, that is Mike. And I mean, he was so ill, I could barely recognize him. I didn't recognize him. And I, I asked, talked to him, and he was in such pain. And I mean, he just looked terrible. And as I talked to him, he said, I haven't slept, and the pain is terrible. I mean, I was overwhelmed with compassion. And I went home that night. I remember, I remember kneeling by my bed and saying, Lord, I'll stay awake tonight, but please let him sleep. And it was something other than my personality. I felt, God, please, I'm happy to stay awake. Please let him sleep. And I prayed and prayed, and then I felt something kind of lifting gradually. And eventually I did get to bed and go to sleep. And he turned the corner that night and was up and back in the office. And and there there was a stirring in my heart, a stirring. I was praying for a lot of people recently in a... An older gentleman had been sitting waiting and time was going and, and he just said, he said, I've got arthritic hips. I, I have such difficulty. And I just felt this stirring compassion. I just came to him, prayed for him and commanded this arthritis to go. And he stood up and he was completely free. I thought, Lord Jesus. And I just felt that moment, that stirring of Jesus has moved, moved with compassion. Compassion stirred an energy factor resulting in healing. Moved with compassion. Moved with compassion. So Jesus was sometimes moved with almost like hostility. This shouldn't be here, this work of Satan. Other times move these poor people with leprosy. Moved with compassion. Others are backing off. Unclean, unclean. He walked straight into them. Moved with compassion. God help us to engage with the compassion of Christ and find an energy factor that kicks in and brings about the mercy of God in a situation. Another angle to think of concerning healing, and in a sense I'm going through these various approaches to healing, is the healing and the cross. It says in Matthew 8, 16, 17, He healed them all in order that what was spoken of by Isaiah might be fulfilled. He himself took our infirmities and carried away our diseases. Death and sickness entered the world through the fall, through sin. And in the cross must be the place where the answer to all our need comes. People say, is there healing in the atonement? It's got to be in the atonement. What sometimes people apply from that is a kind of magical mechanism 
that if he, if he hit, then I'm obviously healed automatically, whereas actually I find healing is far more complicated than that. And I was so helped when John Wimber first started preaching healing in the kingdom and bringing that whole teaching that Eldon Ladd and others have taught, the kingdom is now but not yet. Even now, we are the sons of God. It doesn't yet appear what we shall be. And sometimes we see the kingdom breaking out now. Sometimes we see the full flood. Even now it's happening. And then there's sometimes things that leave us perplexed. Why not? What happened there? And sometimes, beloved, it's enough to make us back off and think, I'm never going there again. I prayed for them. They didn't, nothing happened. And so we feel, well, I'm not going there. It's a danger area. I don't want to get into an area I feel uncomfortable with. And that's certainly my testimony, if I may be so bold as to be a bit personal here. I'm one of those people who feels, I like to know what I'm doing, then I'll do it. I don't want to start doing it when I don't know what's happening. I don't want to pray for people when I don't know what's happening. I want to be... I want to get it tidy, then we'll present it. And uh, for years, I'm not tidy, so no one's getting prayed for. Because, well, I mean, then, <laughs> to me, I had a great learning experience when computers came along, and I'm of a certain generation where you don't quite feel comfortable with computers, especially when they first came on the scene. And especially, I remember I was in a store in the UK, and I'm looking around at computers and things, and I'm kind of bewildered. And uh, a small child, I mean a really, a really small child, came up to this counter and he could barely get his hands up on it. There's a screen up here and there's the keyboard there. And he's looking up and he's just going... <laughs> and, I, and I think, what? <laughs> and I feel, take me home, Jesus, you know. <laughs> this, is, this is a world I, I feel very uncomfortable with and... Uh, you know, what's going on here? And he knows what he's doing. I don't know what he's doing. And I think, is there any hope for me? And, uh, and then it often happens again with my generation that, you know, you, you, your kids grow up and they're learning these things and you're in the house and you've got the computer by now and you're kind of there, kind of. And, uh, and then I'm looking at mine one day and my son Tim, who's my youngest, is still quite small. And, I, and he's in the room and I say, um, okay, how does this work? And he said, oh, it's easy, Dad. Well, show me. Okay. Uh, oh, well, that doesn't work. Okay, hold on a minute. No, that didn't work. No. Uh. Oh, there you are, Dad. That's how it works. Uh, and I thought, I could have done that. He said, you didn't. And I learned something at that very moment. I could have done that. You didn't. No, because I'm not going to try till I know how to do it. He didn't care about trying and learning as he did it. That really helped me. I said, I could have done that. He said, you didn't. And I realized that's where I am. I'm not doing it because I'm not sure of it. More recently, I've found I'm doing it. And things are happening. Because I held back because I want it to be neat and tidy. I want every answer. I want to know a perfect answer. I don't want to pray for someone and they're still in pain, walking away, and I have to say, sorry, I don't, I don't want to do that. I don't feel safe there. I don't feel comfortable there. I'm happy expounding the Bible. But God said, come on, come on, come into this world. 
because I want my kingdom to break out. And humble yourself and be vulnerable. I thought, no, I'm trying to be correct. I thought God was saying, no, you're not. You're too proud to look silly. And I felt God's really been dealing with me on that and helping me through with it. So yeah, I believe with all my heart that when Jesus died on the cross, he dealt with the issue. That out from the cross flows mercy. Out from the cross flows God's kindness. And it's got to come from the cross. It's interesting in the Old Testament that sometimes when there is a reference to atonement, it also includes healing. So, for instance, you'll find in number 16, 14,000 people died of the plague. Aaron stood to make atonement, and the plague stopped. These things are put together. Atonement and healing come together. You'll find that happens elsewhere. The lifting up of the serpent, which was meant to represent the, 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 the sin and the sickness and the thing that came because of their rebellion, that brought healing. Not just forgiveness, it brought healing. And so for me, a healing does flow from what Jesus accomplished for us. And the, the Bible plainly says, He healed them all in order that what was spoken by Isaiah might be fulfilled. He himself took our infirmities, carried away our diseases. That's what it plainly says. And the scripture comes alongside when he's healing people, said this is what was happening. This is what was happening. Healing and the cross. Then also, faith is affirmed. Now we can get in some situations where faith becomes almost like a bullying project. It's like you're, you're sick because you haven't got enough faith. And you find you get into situations where you feel kind of overawed by bullies who say, oh, if you're sick because you haven't got enough faith, your problem. So we're a bit scared to go there, but let's just look at what it says in the Scriptures. The woman in the crowd pushes through to Jesus. And, and it's a wonderful story, actually, because she's, she's getting towards him. He's not even looking at her. And it says this, she was saying to herself, it's a good thing to speak to yourself sometimes, isn't it? Otherwise yourself speaks to you. And she's saying to herself, if I can just touch him, I'll be made whole. Now that's not just a will of the wisp thing. She knows who he is. She knows what he's doing. And so she's reaching out to him. And Jesus turns to her and congratulates her, actually. Because he felt, he felt power go out from him. Who touched me? And the apostles are saying, hey, come on, everyone's touching you. Now, who really touched me? Who came with their heart reaching to me? Who came with expectation? Who came? Because loads of people are touching him. Who's, who was really reaching to me? Beloved, you can be in a meeting like this and be healed even as we're talking. Because you came reaching out for him. I've heard so many stories lately. Actually, we're praying for people going down the row, and there's somebody in the third row waiting, and they say, hey, I've been healed. It just happened. It just happened. I, was, I mean, the pain's all gone, and we haven't got to them yet. Because they're just reaching. And their faith, he says, your faith made you well. So faith is congratulated. It is called for. You get the verse I referred to earlier, Acts 14.9. Seeing the man had faith to be healed. He said, get up. And that Paul had some spiritual revelation, some gift of discerning. 
that you could see this guy's got faith to be healed. So there's a faith engagement, beloved. We're not meant to be just passive. There's to be a, there's a faith engagement. I was in Armenia preaching, and um, we saw some wonderful healings, wonderful healings, great time. Very long meeting, praying for people. Long, then we had to rush off to another church meeting. And we went into this very poor area, and the people are in the meeting, and I, we just, they're just finishing the worship. And uh, I said, right, it's up to you, over to you, Terry. I thought, oh, okay, here we go. So I'm preaching, and I finish off the meeting. And I think, okay, amen. And then Karen, the guy who leads, he said to me, uh, they're waiting for you to pray for the sick. I thought, oh. I thought, let's go home. You know, he said, they're waiting. I mean, I, that was one of the most exciting meetings that I've ever been in. Just one after another, healing, healing, healing. They were going straight from being prayed for to the microphone, testifying one after another, one after another. There was such expectation. They're waiting for you. It was just when, when faith begins to arise, we, we see God do more. And, and I've, I want to learn about that. I want to learn about how faith can grow and how faith grows in a meeting even. Faith is important. It says about the ten lepers when Jesus said to them, go, show yourself to the priest. And then it says this, as they went on their way, they were made whole. In other words, if they had, when he said, go show yourself to the priest, if they'd said, what's the point? Look at all this stuff. That's the end of the story. But he said, go, show yourself to the priest. And as they went on their way, they were so full of expectation. He has said the word. And you find other places. You don't have to come. Just say the word. There grew a confidence in the word of Christ. There grew a confidence. If he speaks, let's go. And God wants us to have that growing, growing faith. And I pray with all my heart that we'll find churches that corporately have that growing, growing faith. It's not the exception. It's not that I took a guy with me last hmm, Sunday or Sunday back, and we went to pray for some people at the end of a meeting, and uh, I prayed with someone, and his opening line to the guy was, you don't feel any better, do you? I thought, you're a really good traveling companion. I thought, I don't want to hear you say that. You don't feel any better, do you? No, let's, let's have expectation. Because who knows what God will do? Let's expect God to move. I was with a, a group recently and uh, praying with them, and a lady came up to me. She said, uh, did you notice me on the platform? I was in the worship group. And I said, well, I, I, I noticed you were there. I didn't. She said, I, this is how high I can get my hands in worship. I, I, I mean, I didn't even notice. I thought, you've got hands up in worship. You know, you're worshiping. And, and then she said, that's as high as I can get them. And then she said, I can only get them this down. I, I can't get my hands any higher, and I can't get my hands any further back. And then she pointed to her, her, the back of her neck, and there was a, a scar, four vertebrae. She had major surgery. She said, that's it. We'd already seen some other healings, and her faith's rising. She said, would you pray for me? I said, I'd love to pray for you. And I'm praying for her. And then I, then I say, come on, then let's just raise your hands now. And so she starts raising her hands. And then she said, oh, I'm scared. I said, come on, let's raise your hands. So she starts raising her hands, and she keeps going. And this smile's coming on her face, and the tears are coming down from her eyes. And her friends are all standing around whooping, because she's, she's going, oh, my, oh, my, oh, my, oh, my. 
And then she put her hands into her head. She said, I haven't touched my head for ages. She said, friends come in and shampoo my hair two or three times a week. But I, I, haven't, I can't do this. I can't do this. And then, and then she put her hands down and she held her hands behind her back. She said, I haven't done this for years. Oh, it was so exciting, so exciting. That was in Sunbury, in one of the churches not far from where I live. And I was down with Mark Landers Smith in Camberley a few weeks later and gave that testimony. And a woman came running forward and said, that's me, pray for me, pray for me. <laughs> and I prayed for her she went, ah! Oh! <laughs> she just straight away put her hands on her and said, I can't do this. See, faith was rising. Faith, people were saying, I will believe him. I will believe him. I pray for a lot of people lately with arthritic knees and I pray for their knees and I just say, now kick my hand. And they look at me and say, well, I can't do that. I say, come on, kick my hand. And poof, I saw one just a few weeks ago. What? I can't feel any pain. Whoa! And they're up. Because they, they've taken a step of faith. That's the very thing they can't do. So I said, come on, kick my hand. Up comes that foot. And they start kicking the hand. And they say, wow, I can move without pain. I can see it happen. I prayed for someone in Tony Smith's church in Leeds. And it happens, she's a doctor. She said, I've got a curved spine. Would you pray for me? And I'm praying for her. And as I'm praying for her, I can feel the spine moving under my hand. I feel it moving. And so we pray for quite a long time, just waiting, feeling it moving. And her husband came up, put his arms around. He said, yeah, you feel different. He said, you feel different. <laughs> And then, I didn't know really, but she's a doctor. She wrote to me a little while later with pictures before and after and all the technical language that I don't even know. She said, my back's completely different. Completely different. Then I was in Mexico and a lady came up to me. She said, I've got a bent spine. And I felt myself, I, I was shocked. I heard myself say, you won't have that for long. I thought, I thought did, I, did, I say, I, did I say that? And I, I laid my hands on her and prayed for her. She started shaking and shaking. I've not seen that before. Shaking and shaking. She fell. She got up. Her spine was completely healed. Completely healed. And I, found, I, found, I suddenly found faith. I thought, whoo, faith. I want to learn about faith. There's a dynamic. There's a, it, it, there's a stirring. There's something happening. God coming amongst us. Jesus moving on us. We're finding, hey, I'm doing things I can't do. And beloved, I wouldn't go there because I thought, no, I want all the answers before I go there. I prayed for a lady with ME. I got a letter from her a few weeks later. She said, I can't believe it. I'm back on the school run. I'm running the supermarket. I'm totally healed. Absolutely thrilled. Then I go to a meeting. I'm praying for people and I'm going down the road. This lady, I got ME. I pray for her. And then I go down the road and I hear her sobbing. And everything in me wants to go back and say, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And something in you says, you better stop this silly praying for people. You raised her hopes and she's still crying. So it's a battle, beloved. And God wants us to get into the battle. Where sometimes you say, I'm sorry, I don't understand. But other times, oh, breakthrough, breakthrough, breakthrough. And more and more breakthroughs than we've ever seen before. I want to say these things to encourage us. Because some of us are very scared and some of us feel probably a bit like I was. I want it tidy before I get into that world. And I found I'm getting into it more and more untidy. 
I was with Andrew uh, in Davis in South Wales. Sorry, these names don't mean anything. And I, I'm going down praying for people. And there's a lady, actually she's in a wheelchair. And I prayed for her. I went on to the next person. And I went praying for about two down. This lady stands up. I look around. I mean, I'm shocked. She's standing up. She said, I've been 21 years in this wheelchair. And she said, when you were preaching, you looked at me. I didn't look at her. She said, you looked straight at me. I didn't. She said, when you moved on, Jesus said to me, stand up. So I did. And that was on the Saturday night. The Sunday morning, we're in church. And Andy starts the meeting. And uh, he says, some of you may be wondering why, uh, I forgot my name, I think it's like Celia. Celia's sitting in the middle row and not on the end. And people looked around. So, Come and tell them, Celia. So Celia stands up, walks out, and up the aisle. And I mean, people are starting crying all over the place. And she walks up, and the first thing she said as she stood next to Andrew was, you're rather short, aren't you, Andrew? <laughs> And she, she wrote to me a few weeks later. She said, I, I, I don't have my disability pension anymore. <laughs> and I'm just, I'm just, you know, it's way outside. I think, I, I, I prayed for her. Jesus spoke to her. Jesus said to her, stand up. <laughs> it's wonderful, isn't it? Jesus said, stand up. He's in the midst. He's doing things we don't realize what he's doing. My personal testimony is that I was, I had terrible back pain. And uh, when I had this back pain, I, I went to the doctor. He sent me to the hospital and uh, they took x-rays, couldn't resolve it. <laughs> Sat in the hospital waiting room for ages and the counsel they gave me was, don't sit on hard chairs for a long time. <laughs> Thanks for your waiting room. You know, it's like, and so put up with it. So I learned to put up with it and I would have found it hard standing for as long as this because the pain would be quite serious. So I'd look for little ledges to sit on and stuff. It was painful. But you know, you just live with pain. A lot of people live with pain. I'm shocked how many people live with pain. And then one day a guy came to our church and said, people here with back pain, come forward. I came forward. I was the pastor. I came forward. And they said, oh no, big pardon. First thing what happened was this. After a while, I went to an osteopath before this preacher. I went to an osteopath, and, and he put me on his bench, and he said to the person who was with me, you tell him what's wrong with him. And they said, well, I don't know what's wrong. No, what can you see? I'm just lying on the thing. And they said, well, one leg's longer than the other. He said, that's his problem. The pain's here. The problem is he's out of line. So I started going to the osteopath regularly for kind of manipulation to try and sort that out. It didn't get any better. And I thought, um, I'll stop because it was costing me money. Forget it, it wasn't helping. Uh, and then this guy came to our church and said, people with back pain, come forward. I came forward along with a number of others. And he sat us down. He said, some of you, it's because you've got one leg longer than the other. I thought, oh, that's what the osteopath said. So he sat on the floor took my ha feet in his hands where it was visible that one leg was longer than the other, prayed a short prayer, and my short leg grew straight away. And that was the end of my back pain. And I stood watching a soccer game the next Saturday. I stood for two hours without any pain. I thought, oh, Lord. 
And from then on, I've had no pain with it. And he said to me, you pray for people. So I started praying for people and found lots of people started getting healed from that. And I thought, well, this is strange. Wow, wonderful. Lots of people got healed and it's good news, you know. But I I got into problems because I thought, well, this is strange. Because, you know, I'm not really praying for the blind to see or the deaf to hear. I'm just praying for people who've got one leg longer than the other. And I thought this is a very strange thing to do. And I, I backed off it. I thought, well, you know, if God heals, why not other things? And I, not that I was trying other things, I was just doing this one. And I, I, I stopped doing it. And then I felt God really spoke to me. I was at a conference, Spring Harvest actually, and a guy came up to me and said, aren't you Terry Vero? Yes, you prayed for me years ago. Oh, did I? Yeah, I've never had back pain since. I thought, oh, I don't do that anymore. And then Wendy uh, spoke to a neighbor and she said, oh, my husband's locked up with back pain. And Wendy said to her, oh, I'll get my husband to come down and pray for him. I thought, thank you, dear. And uh, I went down and prayed for him. He was immediately healed. And he said to me the next day, I was digging concrete out of my garden this afternoon. I'm completely, I thought, whoa, thank you, Jesus. And I felt God said to me, you've stopped. Go for it. Go for it again. And so I began, whenever I preached virtually, to just offer to pray for people with bad backs at the end. And I'm in a church and I'm praying for people. And as I'm praying, you see one leg grow. And it's just fabulous. Boom, there you see, oh, wow, pain's gone. I saw it many times. And I'm in a church and I'm praying for some people. And I come to the next guy. He says, my knees are shot through. I thought, what do you mean, shot through? And he said, oh, I've got terrible trouble with my knees. I thought, oh, I don't do knees. I just do one leg long. <laughs> so I thought, well, I'm here. So I pray for this guy's knees. So I pray for his knees. And then I'm turning to the next person. And all the people facing me are laughing. I thought, well, what's the joke? And behind me, this guy's jumping on and off of chairs. And he says, I can play basketball again. I thought, wow. Then the next guy says, broken collarbone. I've got metal in here. It's broken in three places. I thought, broken collarbone? So he said, yes, yeah, someone came up behind me the other day, slapped me on the shoulder. I fell to the ground, the pain. So I can't carry a bag over my shoulder. Okay, we pray for the guy with the car. And I pray for him. There's a smile comes on his face. I think, wow. He says, wow. Wow. And the bouncy guy comes comes back and slaps him on the shoulder. And then the next Sunday, they both stand up and testify in the meeting. We've been healed. I think, you've been healed. So... From then on, I thought, well, let's go with God. Let's just go with God. Let's see what God will do. Let's see what God will do. And, and, I, and I've been so stirred of late, and I'll close with this, really. What the passage we looked at last night has meant a lot to me. I won't leave you orphans. I'll come to you. Hey, Jesus is here. We are not a group of people with a fading memory of what it used to be like when God was here. He's here. All things are possible, as we heard in this worship. All things are possible. Because he's here. And Jesus said this, Truly, truly I say to you, the things I do, you shall do also. He said, when the Spirit comes, the things I do, you shall do. So, as we promised, we will pray for the sick. I'm kind of finished here.
what I would like to do is pray for people with back pain because I find that helps me. All right? It helps me because I know you'll be healed. You don't have to have faith. You'll get healed. So if you come in a moment, I'll ask you to do what he asked me to do, sit sit on the front row here. And many of you, I've read since I got healed in... Reader's Digest, actually, 80% of back pain is due to people having one leg longer than the other. 80%. It's common. It's quite common. It gives you a lot of pain because you're always adjusting, leaning into it. I believe you'll be healed. And then as we're praying for that, we will find that our faith is growing. I prayed for a guy in our church at home recently, his shoulders all caved in, prayed for him, his shoulder opened right out, completely opened out. We, we love to pray with all sorts of things. There'll be other people here who'll get things like words of knowledge, like Ginny did here last night. There were some lovely healings here last night. Just as was said. So we can see other people can step up and so on. But in a moment, I'm just going to close. And then if you'd like to be prayed for, if you've got a bad back, if you've got pain in the neck and shoulder, I'd love to pray for you. You've got pain in the lower back, I'd love to pray for you. You've got arthritic situations I'd love to pray for you. There are situations that I'm happy to pray for, but we've seen all sorts of things happen. I've got photographs from people who said, would you pray for us? We haven't had a baby yet. And they sent me pictures of the baby. All sorts of things we've seen God do because we're just opening the door for Jesus. That's what we're doing, opening the door for Jesus to come. As we did here last night, we want to see many, many people praying for many people in different situations because Jesus is here. Jesus is here. We can get people healed in our small groups. We can get people healed all over the place. Let's lift our expectation in the light of the Word of God and let's move with Him. Okay? So let's just stand to pray. And if you'd like to be prayed for after we've kind of concluded here, uh, along the lines I've just said, please come. If any of you people have words of knowledge or anything like that, please come. Let's share them. Let's let this be a workshop um, with a little time. Depends how hungry you are, really. <laughs> with a little time. Uh, when I say that, I meant there's food, you know, the hunger bit. Um, uh, but uh, we have some time to pray for people. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your militant hatred of sickness. We thank you for your incredible compassion. Moved with compassion, he healed them all. Thank you for your commitment to your followers. Truly, I say to you, the things I do, you should do also. Lord, we just, we just bow to that word in all its authority. And we ask you, Lord Jesus... Would you come upon us now? Lord, thank you. You won't leave us orphans. We welcome you. Lord, we welcome you. Come and heal many here today. We welcome you, Jesus. We want to live like Peter and the others who just live with Jesus all the time. God had come. We thank you. The kingdom of God is amongst us. We felt your presence already this morning. Now please come and heal many, we pray. Help us just to channel the grace of God, the powerful mercy of God. In Jesus' name.
Amen.